We're going to 1 Samuel chapter 11 as we're standing together today. We're going to read from uh, verses 14 and 15 together, 1 Samuel chapter 11. Let's read, then said Samuel to the people, come, let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. And all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before Jehovah in Gilgal. And there they offered sacrifices of peace offerings before Jehovah. And there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. Any rejoicing in the house today? Come on, rejoicing greatly in the presence of God. Nothing like it, church. The final verse of 14 says, Come, let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. Come, let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. This call made by the prophet Samuel was made to all of Israel, to the entire nation. And this call to come together and to go to Gilgal, renew the kingdom, it is unlike any found elsewhere in Scripture. No other prophet, no priest, no king issued such a decree. The decree instructing the Israelites to go and renew, to go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. This call is so important. It is so timely for us today. And I'm praying we will once more open our hearts in these moments that we have together to what God by His Holy Spirit desires to impart to us. Come on, I, I want an impartation today. We're not just going to sit here and listen to a message, as it were, or sermon. I, I, I want the Holy Spirit to take this word to really impart it into us. That it becomes an integral part of our life. And that it really brings some change in us. Because God's word just... I'm telling you, one word from God can turn your life around. One word from God can bring a great difference. And I know we're all at different places. We're all dealing with different issues. If you're not dealing with an issue right now, don't be discouraged. It, it, it's just a matter of time. If you're doing life, you're going to be... <laughs> dealing with issues and situations. But thank God for the Holy Spirit. Oh, thank God for the Holy Spirit that just opens our eyes of understanding. You know, the Word says that God is a very present help in the time of trouble, in the time of need. And so the Holy Spirit is ready to really impart today in these moments. Now you must lay hold of the following that I want to say. Just listen carefully. Samuel's call, let us come, let us go to Gilgal 
and renew the kingdom there. That call reveals a crisis. When you begin to study and go into the background of of this particular call that went out to the entire nation, it actually reveals a crisis. And it's a crisis of such magnitude. It's a national crisis. It's not just affecting one or two of the tribes. This is this is a, 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 a crisis across the, the nation. And if this crisis is allowed to go unchecked, if it's not dealt with immediately, the nation of Israel, God's covenant people, sadly could become just like any of the other godless secular nations surrounding her. I'm going to break this down and show us this in the next few moments. But this call is so, it's so important that Samuel issued to the whole nation that if it's not, if they don't respond, things are going south and they're going south quick. And Israel, God's chosen people, God's people who were brought out of Egypt, God's covenant people could quickly become like any other secular godless nation. Israel is teetering on a most dangerous precipice, which had its beginnings three chapters earlier. We read from 1 Samuel 11. If we go back to 1 Samuel chapter 8, this is where the crisis, this is where it all began. Three chapters earlier, when the people as one, the nation as one. They stood before Samuel the prophet and they demanded a king to judge them, to lead them, just like all the other nations. In fact, we're going to see a scripture in just a moment. That's exactly the way it says. We want a king like all the other nations. So Samuel Faithful Samuel, who learned the voice of God from a child, taught by Eli, the priest. And Samuel, so faithful in his, in his judging of Israel and as a prophet of God. The moment that the nation cries out and says, give us a king like all the other nations, Samuel stands before them and he begins to warn them about the high cost they're going to have to pay to have a king. And I'm just going to recap verses 11 through 17 of 1 Samuel 8. I'm not going to read them all. They're quite detailed, but I'm just going to recap what Samuel proclaimed or what Samuel told the people. This is what it's going to cost you if you want a king. Like all the other nations... These, it says, these will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons. He will take your sons. That right there should have stopped them in their tracks. He will take your sons, appointing them to his chariots to be his horsemen. He will appoint thousands, listen, He will appoint thousands of commanders to plow his ground and reap his harvest. 
He will take your daughters. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks, and bakers. Look, he will take the best of your fields. This is a recap. Go through and read these six passages of Scripture. It's so detailed. He will take the best of your fields. Help us. Vineyards. <laughs> orchards. And he will give to his servants. He will take a tenth of your flock. You will be his slaves. Slaves? Hello? We were, we were slaves in Egypt. What are you saying, Samuel? Hang on just a minute. Time out. What? What? We're going to be his slaves? Incredulously, the Israelites insist they are willing to pay that price. It's, it's unbelievable. Israel has just gone totally off track. Listen to verse 19 of 1 Samuel 8. But the people refused to listen to Samuel's warning. Even so, even so, we're going to be his slaves. He's going to take our kids. Even so, we still want a king. They said, we want to be like the nations around us. Our king will judge us and lead us into battle. What? Now this raises some questions right here. Which king had been Israel's judge all this time? Come on. Which king up until this point had been Israel's judge all this time? Jehovah, right. Which king had led them into battle? Which king had, 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 had led them into battles that they faced, the enemies they faced, and not only that, routed their enemies? Which king? Jehovah. So verse 19 reveals the crisis. Here's the crisis. It's gripped the whole nation. The entire nation no longer want to follow God's decrees. They no longer want Jehovah to fight their battles. The bottom line, and this is the most serious, they're ready to rid themselves, to get rid of God. I mean, the whole nation is rising up in rebellion. And they want to get rid of God and His ways, His commands, His principles. They don't want Him anymore. And here's their reasoning. <laughs> this is really the reasoning behind it. They say to Samuel, Samuel, you're old. And not only that, but you're gray-headed. Excuse me? I don't like that. What's up with that gray-headedness? Why couldn't they just leave it at old? They said, Samuel, you're old and you're gray. And besides that, your sons. Your sons are struggling to follow God. Your sons are having issues. We don't want this anymore. We don't. We no longer desire to submit to God's order of government. It was not God's order of government to have an earthly king. God was the king. 
He's the king of Israel. But the people, as one voice, demand. And they are prepared to lay God aside and wholeheartedly place all their hopes upon a half-hearted king named Samuel or named Saul. That, that, that's, that's, what, that's, that's the bottom line here. They're wholeheartedly ready to place their hopes upon a half-hearted king. So Samuel steps in and he calls the nation to go to Gilgal and to renew the kingdom there. Why Gilgal? Well, we're going to come to that in a moment. But first, what is this matter of renewing the kingdom? Now, track with me, please. What's this, what's the, what's this matter of renewing the kingdom? If Saul is Israel's first king, then is he not their new king? If Saul is their first king, isn't Saul their new king? So how then can they renew the kingdom by making Saul king? You know, that's the question that I begin to ask. That's, as soon as I read this, and it just began to strike me, renew the kingdom... What kingdom are we talking about here? Because you don't renew a kingdom when you're bringing in a new king. Now you need to understand, the kingdom that was most critically in need of renewing was not Saul's kingdom. It was the kingdom of God in the hearts and the minds of the people. They had rejected God. They had they had stepped back and said, we no longer want you as our king. We no longer want you leading us. So the kingdom that was in need of renewing was not Saul's kingdom. It was the kingdom of God in their hearts. For they from their heart had moved away from God, had rejected God. And it was the kingdom in the hearts and minds of his people that needed renewing desperately. So Samuel's call was designed to make the nation face the reality of embracing the world's way of doing things. We want a king just like all the other nations. And Saul's, Samuel's call to take the nation to Gilgal to be renewed was designed to cause the nation to face this reality of going after the world systems and their values. And in doing so, they're sidelining, they're red-carding God, they're, they're rejecting God's, God and His ways. So you got it? You see the, you see the problem here? So now let's bring this forward to us today. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For a child has been born for us. The gift of a son for us. He'll take over the running of the world. <laughs> His names will be Amazing Counselor, Strong God, Eternal Father, Prince of Wholeness. Oh, I love that. <laughs> 
prince of wholeness. Look at verse 7. His ruling authority will grow and there will be no limits to the wholeness he brings. You need to lay hold of that right now. There will be no limits to the wholeness that he brings. We're talking about Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. For unto us a child is born. And the government will be upon his shoulders. Look at this. He'll rule from the historic David throne over that promised kingdom. He'll put that kingdom on a firm footing and keep it going with fair dealing and right living, beginning now and lasting always. Come on. If you know Jesus as king, as Lord, you're part of a great kingdom. Can we celebrate that right now? Come on, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Today is part two of a series we began last week, Renewing a Kingdom-Principled Life. Renewing a Kingdom-Principled Life. That's the purpose of going to Gilgal, to renew a Kingdom-Principled Life. The prophet Isaiah, from the passages we just read, reveals in this messianic prophecy that Jesus did not come to establish any particular religion. He came to position us in the family of God and in his kingdom by delivering us from the power of darkness, bringing us to a place of wholeness. Come on, he came to position us in the family of God and in his kingdom, delivering us from the powers of darkness and bringing us to a place of wholeness. wholeness. The moment we were reborn by God's Spirit, He placed us, God placed us in the body of Christ and gave us citizenship in His kingdom. We were brought out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. So you and I are subjects which means we subject ourselves, we are subjected to the authority and the rule of Christ Jesus as our King. Ephesians 2.19 says you're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here. Come on, tell somebody you belong here. Furthermore, by the work of the Holy Spirit, His truth and his principles are imparted into our lives and are meant to be displayed through our lifestyle day by day. Come on, we're, we, we, are, we, are, we are part of a great kingdom. And I'm praying that God will renew within our hearts and our minds the understanding, the principles of this kingdom so that it's, we, we, we see it th- displayed. It's displayed through our lifestyle day by day. I said through our lifestyle, day by day. Come on, we're part of a great kingdom, and it should be obvious in the way we live each and every day, not just here on Sunday morning. This is this is cool. You know, this is all we're all together and everybody's so so good. (laughs) Everybody's just so you got it. I can look at you and tell you got it together. Uh huh. There's nobody of us in here really that has it much together. 
We're all in need. But you still look good. So, the principles of the kingdom of God, living a kingdom-principled life, where my life is under the order of this kingdom, and it's displayed in my lifestyle day by day. But sadly, in this hour, for many within the church, this is not the case. Now, follow me as we move into this, because you got to hear this. We become like Israel of old. We've moved so far off center line. It's not like it began. When we first began, and we're going to talk about this, listen. When we first began, it's quite different now than it was in those beginning days and moments. We struggle. We find ourselves struggling to accept and conform to the divine principles and the standards of God's kingdom. We who have, like Israel of old, been brought out of Egypt, we who have been brought out of darkness, put into the kingdom of God, we, we started well, but somehow we find ourselves struggling to really accept and conform to the principles and the truths of our king, the demands of our king. We've embraced so many ways of the world. And it's not happened overnight. This has been through a slow process. It's a slow process of gradually rejecting biblical truths, biblical theology, biblical methods. It's a slow process of rejecting, like Israel, God's agenda, God's order. Come on, church, can I preach this? Will you let me preach this today? Well, I'm going to preach it. Many within the church have turned to secularism. Many in the church have turned to secularism. You know what secularism is? It's, it's, it's the quality or state of being devoted, being devoted to worldly matters rather than to godlike matters. It's a, it's a state of devotion where we're, we're caught up. Like Israel, we're caught up like all the other nations. Just like all the other nations. There's no difference. It's, it's hard to see that difference. But God, by His Spirit, is working with us, and it's time for the church to go back to Gilgal. In fact, that's the words of Samuel. Come ye and go we. I love this. This is Wycliffe translation. Come ye and go we into Gilgal and let us renew our loyalty to the kingdom there. Our loyalty. Am I loyal to the ways of the world or am I loyal to the ways of the kingdom? Where do my loyalties lie? Though none go with me, yet I will follow. Where do my loyalties lie? Four times the word there is used in today's text. Listen. Listen to this. 
Then said Samuel to the people, come and let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. And all the people went to Gilgal and there they made Saul king before Jehovah in Gilgal and there they offered sacrifices of peace offerings before Jehovah and there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. Where is there? Where is there? Gilgal. Let me tell you about Gilgal. Gilgal is the place where the Israelites first crossed the Jordan. Going into the promised land, that's Gilgal. The Jordan was opened supernaturally, miraculously. The children of Israel crossed over on dry ground. And Gilgal was the first place they entered. Gilgal was the first place they made their camp. The first night in the promised land, they were in Gilgal. Gilgal was the place of circumcision. That was the, in Joshua chapter 5, it was the place of circumcision of all the men who had grown up during the 40 years of wandering through the wilderness. It was in Gilgal, thus renewing the earlier covenant that they had with God. Gilgal was the place of national transformation brought about by circumcision. Renewing the covenant with God. And last week we learned that to be renewed in a kingdom principled life, we must go back to Gilgal, to the place of transformation. And for us, you and I, in God in Christ's kingdom, it is the cross. That's where we were transformed. Let us go back to the cross. Let us fall in love once more with the cross. And now... Another, another thing happened at Gilgal that is absolutely amazing. In Joshua chapter 4, Gilgal was the place where the 12 stones were taken from the empty bed of the Jordan River as the priests held the Ark of the Covenant. And they stood there, and the people went across on dry ground. When they got to the other side, God spoke to Joshua and said, Take a, tr- a leader from every one of the 12 tribes, Let the leader go and get a stone and carry it out of the riverbed of the Jordan and let them set the stones up as a memorial. You can read this in Joshua 4, verses 5 through 7. Let them set those stones up as a memorial so that in future generations, when your children ask, what do these stones mean? You will begin to tell them of the miraculous power and presence of God that was seen in God opening the Jordan and God's people coming into. That place is called Gilgal, where the stones were set up as a memorial. The testimony of, of Israel's miraculous crossing was to be declared. Now listen carefully. In the Bible, stones, most often stones, represent bedrock truths the foundational truths. In the Bible, stones represent truths, the the foundational truths upon which we can safely found our beliefs and our life. Let me give you two classic examples. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts the, hears these words of mine, anyone who hears these truths and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
The rain came down, the steams rose, and the winds blew, the streams rose, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation upon the rock. Matthew 16, 18, and I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will, on this rock of revelation, upon this rock of the truth, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So the stones that were taken from the Jordan represent the simple elemental truths that form the foundation of our spiritual life as kingdom citizens. Listen to me, the stones taken from the Jordan represent the simple elemental truths that form the foundation of our spiritual life and our spiritual faith. So to renew a kingdom principled life, number two, return to the basic beliefs and teachings of God's word. Return to the basic teachings, basic beliefs, the elemental truths of God's word. Return to those. For example, if we are tempted to go back to our old cheating lifestyle, if we're tempted to go back to our old fleshly dishonest life, we must return again and again to Exodus chapter 20 verses 13 through 16, which says, you shall not steal. You shall not murder. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Return to Gilgal. Return to that, that place of that basic truth of God's word. If we slide back into our old addictions, come on, if we're tempted to slide back into our old addictions, our old addictive ways, we must once again heed the Bible's call to repent, to repent. Mark chapter 1 verse 4, John came preaching the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Come on, go back to Gilgal. Go back to the basics. Go back to a life of repentance. Be quick to repent. Be quick to be broken. Just like you were when you first came to Christ. If we're tempted to slide back to our old addictions, then go back to Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 and 20, which says, I have set before you life and death, blessings and curse. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Go back to Gilgal. Go back to the basics, the elemental, the foundational truths upon which your spiritual foundation and life has been built. Stop trying to be so fancy. Just bring it down to the simple truths. The problem in the church today is we have so many voices, so many teachers. We connect here, we connect there, we watch this, we listen to that, we take down all the notes, we're trying to find every brand new truth, what's the latest revy, what's the latest revelation, it's time for the church to go back to Gilgal, and Jesus is Lord, come on somebody. If as a believer our faith begins to weaken, 
Well, let me say this. If we find ourselves once again thinking of ourselves first. Come on, that can happen. Has it ever happened to you? You start thinking of yourself first. And everybody else second. Huh? You need to go back to Gilgal. And you need to remind yourself of the second greatest commandment, which is love your neighbor as yourself, Matthew twenty two thirty nine. Go back to Gilgal. Go back to the basics. You know, in the church today, we're so caught up. We want the latest thing. Talk to me, preach to me. Ooh, I feel, I feel it. We want the latest thing. And we're, we, we listen to anybody and everybody. All right, I'm not going to look over here. I'm going to look over here. You know what I'm saying? Anybody out here know what I'm saying? Can we go back to Gilgal? What do those stones mean? Hey, Dad. Dad. Mom. What do those stones mean? Can you go back to a place in your life where God, by his power, opened the sea for you? God, by his power, delivered you? God, by his power, set you free? God, by his power, brought you out of darkness into his glorious light. So just tell your children, guys, there was a day I had to repent. I had to come to the cross. I'll tell you what these stones mean. I had to have circumcision of heart. My life had to be changed. I was living in sin. Take your kids back to the basics. If our faith begins to weaken, why don't we be like the Apostle Thomas? When we begin to doubt, why not reaffirm our faith as he did in Christ? My Lord and my God. John chapter 20, verse 28. What foundational truths and principles, come on. What foundational truths and principles and beliefs drew you into this new kingdom? I'm, I'm, I'm leaving you with this question today. What foundational truths, principles, and beliefs drew you into this new kingdom way of life. You know what those are? Those are the stones of Gilgal to which you can return again and again to be renewed in the kingdom principled life. Do you remember that moment when the Holy Spirit began to move and you felt... Like John on the Isle of Patmos, I fell face down before him. I wasn't able to look at him.
What foundational truths and principles and beliefs drew you to this new kingdom way of life that maybe you have moved away from? Let's go back to Gilgal. Daddy, what do those stones mean? Let's go back to Gilgal. The stones of Gilgal are those basic foundational truths. Why don't you go back and just read about the mercies of God and the grace of God? And why not go back and reacquaint yourself with just the simple? Come on, let's drop all the complicated. And let's just go back to Gilgal and set up those stones once again.